talk some Dolphins and get in depth about what the heck they're doing, Brian. Zach Duarte and Brian Monroe here on 790 The Ticket. The slide into the DM show. Joined by an old friend of mine. I consider him a friend. Maybe we can ask him if we're on the friendship level yet. Uh, he covers the Dolphins for Locked On Dolphins podcast, LockedOnDolphins.com. He's actually doing some work down here for some sites, and I, uh, I actually got to meet him in person in December. We got Travis Wingfield uh, joining us right now in the Orion Fields and Downstairs Convenience Stores guest lines. There are truly steps beyond convenient. Travis, are we friends? Like, is this official? What's going on, man? I mean, you showed me Fort Lauderdale Beach and everything that has to offer, so I don't know how I could consider you anything but a friend at this point. Damn right. Are you, are you like, you're relocating down here soon, right? Uh, I'm not yet. I was planning on it because I had a potential job offering that would take me there, but it didn't work out, so I'm still up in uh, the Seattle area. Okay, but I know you're getting married soon, right? Yeah, actually, in two weeks. Oh, damn. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so Travis, uh, obviously the big news yesterday comes with the Dolphins trading Ryan Tannehill. Your 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 feedback on what what the Dolphins got back in that trade? I thought it was excellent value for a guy that we I think pretty much everyone considered he was going to be a cut option. And you look at what uh, Case Keenum brought back for the Broncos in the Redskins trade. I mean, I, that's kind of what I was expecting was a late round swap so to be able to go out and get a future draft pick for the team that really is loading up in that area. I thought was great value because I mean. The, the trade markers are better in quarterbacks right now. It's not been that good. And you kind of see what the Dolphins are doing right here by taking on some of the cap hit this year and just pushing everything back towards 2020. So you, you had an article on uh, LockdownDolphins.com about the Dolphins secretly uh, going for Kyler Murray this year and, and, and building around in free agency around that next year. Do you really think that the Dolphins uh, are, are going to make a big push for Kyler Murray in this draft? I know they like Kyler Murray, but I'm not sure that I would guarantee they would make the move to trade all the picks to go get him because it is very costly. But the theory behind it is that you can drop the quarterback in this year and get him up to speed into year two next year and kind of make it his team because once he's on the team already and you're kind of in that rebuilding phase, it would be, you know, he'd be the leader and the guy that everybody goes to by year two when you do make that move that the Jets are doing, that the Bills are doing, that all these that have young quarterbacks are doing where year two you start putting the pieces in around them, and that's the thought for Miami in 2020. So my thought is, why not get the quarterback right now and get him accelerated by a year into the system, and then by 2020, you can actually compete. Now let's say Kyler Murray is off the board, like some say he will be at Arizona number one. Can you see the Dolphins making that jump for Dwayne Haskins, or have you heard that they don't like him as much as that Kyler Murray type and would rather wait until 2020 with maybe possibly three top guys coming out then? Yeah, I think it's a million-dollar question because Dwayne Haskins definitely has traits that Dolphins would admire in the position because they've talked about the fact that they want a strong leader, a guy that can communicate between his teammates and a guy that really can galvanize the locker room because, as we're hearing reports come out, maybe that wasn't who Brian Tannehill was. And if you go back and listen to the way that Brian Day at Ohio State talks about Dwayne Haskins, it's just effusive praise about the way he really gathers his teammates and commands a presence in the locker room. So I think that he has that trait. He has the accuracy. He has the football acumen you want as far as being able to decipher zone coverages versus man coverages very quickly in the processing aspect of the game. So I think he would have traits they want, but I'm not, I haven't heard what their, their own opinions are of him, so I'm not sure that they would go up to get him. Uh, I think that Tyler's our number one quarterback on the board, but Dwayne Haskins, I'm really not sure. Travis Wingfield joining us here on 790 The Ticket. You can follow him on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. We've talked Tyler Murray. We've talked Dwayne Haskins. 
What about uh, any of the quarterback options after them? Uh, is there a possibility that the Dolphins maybe potentially select Drew Locke, Daniel Jones at 13, which, uh, just for the record, I would absolutely hate, or that they target somebody in, in rounds two through four uh, to, to, to be a project on this team? I think 13 would be too rich for those guys. I think 48 in the second round would be the first spot. You do start to look at them, but even then, that makes little sense to me because you're still putting yourself in position if you don't get Murray or Haskins to go out in 2020 and get your quarterback there, whether it's Tua Tungabailoa, who everybody loves, whether it's Jake Fromm or Jordan Love out of Utah State or Justin Herbert up here in Oregon. It's, there's so many options that I think you'd rather just pass the buck that way. But one way I could see them going after a quarterback, maybe in round two, if Drew Locke were to fall for some reason, is if they trade back in the first round and acquire picks, which I think they probably will do that if they can't find the quarterback in round one. And then from there, you have several options later on in the draft, like you mentioned. I think Tyree Jackson's one of the guys that you really look at as a project because he has a bunch of physical tools, but maybe isn't quite there yet. Or somebody like Easton Stick, even out of North Dakota State, who seems to be a late-round favorite of Dolphins fans right now. I wish we had a camera on Zach right now because you just said the magical name for Zach to start doing a dance here, and that's... Uh... Tyree Jackson, which he's a big fan of and hopes that he falls down mm, in the mm, third or fourth mm, ring. I'm dancing right now. And the right Dolphins now. take him. Dancing right now. Dancing. <laughs> he, he's something else. You go back and you watch some of those. If you guys are in the general like I am and you watch the Mac on Tuesday night, there was a game like there was 60-mile-an-hour win in Buffalo, and he could still rip the ball through the wind. So, I mean, he is physically very, very impressive. Well, the, the thing about him is obviously the knock on him is his accuracy. Um, but and look, I'm, I'm not touting him as somebody that you would draft to be your starter day one. Um, but we've seen it before. Like, wasn't Russell Wilson a third round pick and he started, he started Correct. day one, you know, mm-hmm. you uh, beat out Matt Flynn and had a bunch yeah, of money. You've seen it out. You've seen it before. And at the very least he could sit behind somebody for, you know, six to eight weeks, develop him a little bit more, uh, into, into, to fit your offensive system if he does. And then, you know, you start him for 10 games and, and you see what you got. And if it doesn't work out, you have a number one pick. Uh, you know, you have a top five pick for the next year, and if not, you may have a quarterback who is somebody you can build around. Look, I, I, a lot of people think this tanking thing, Travis, has to be the Dolphins finishing within the top three, and I understand that. But at the same time, not every team in the top you know, five is going to need a quarterback next year. Uh, and, and as you've seen before, teams are willing to trade back as long as you have the right capital to move up. Exactly right. The Dolphins do have 11 draft picks right now as long as the compensatory formula holds up in the 2020 draft class. So they certainly do the ammo, and like I said, the money they're going to have next year, $120 million in cap space projected right now already. So they are definitely pushing the buck back to 2020. And I agree with you on that quarterback stance as far as going after the guy later on in the draft because you can't get Murray or Haskins. To me, the next group of guys, the Drew Locks and I won't tell you my opinions of Daniel Jones. I don't really think too highly of him. Do it, wait, please, because we, we have a bet. So please tell us your, your opinion on Daniel Jones and Drew Locke. I, I, I wouldn't even draft Daniel Jones on day three. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the hype around him. I don't get it. I, I don't see that he has to, yes. he wants to drive the ball down the seam or to the, the deep comeback or the out route, he has to have a space around him where he has to be able to load up and chuck that thing. And you can't do that in the NFL. Like if you watch the combine, I know it's kind of a cheap way to evaluate a quarterback, but watch him throw at the combine. When he was going those deep patterns, he was loading up into a crow hop, and you just can't do that in the NFL. So I don't think he's cut from the cloth to play at this level. Drew Locke, on the other hand, is the opposite. He physically has those traits and those skills and the massive arm. But And I love the fact that he was a basketball player. He actually has a D1 scholarship offer to play basketball. So you know he's an athlete. From Oklahoma. You know, a big, 
Yeah, he's a big-time athlete. I'm a fan of guys that can play two sports because it allows you to kind of move differently than other players, kind of like Kyler Murray. And Drew Locke, the thing with him I don't like, though, is that he is very inconsistent in his, in his accuracy because I think a lot of times that he loves those kind of off-balance throws and tries to go Pat Mahomes at times, and it doesn't always work out for him because his accuracy really suffers as a result. Yeah, sometimes he scares me, and I compare him to a, a Blaine Gabbert 2.0 where he trusts his arm too much and just starts to do a little yeah. Brett Farmish type things. Uh, but uh, I think a question a lot of Dolphins fans have, and we brought up uh, Tyree Jackson, and I said maybe he can pull a Logan Thomas if he doesn't work out and move the tight ends because uh, <laughs> it seems like the Dolphins are just stacking up in tight ends left and right. You know, what's going on with that? Why are they bringing in so many tight ends? Is thing for just competition for the young guys to step up, and we'll see a bunch of them getting cut, or is it just that they're going to do three <laughs> three uh, tight ends in the line? I love that Logan Thomas comparison, by the way. That's very well done. Um but as far as what the tight ends do, so the Patriots last year only, and we're kind of copying their model, I think is what everybody wants to do because you have Shadow Shea calling the offense and Brian Flores calling the defense. Or I guess Patrick Graham calls the defense, but it will be, you know, Brian Flores and influence. But as far as tight ends go, the Patriots only ran three tight ends all season long, and their third tight end only played 5% of their offensive snaps. But that was because they had Rob Gronkowski. So they're trying to bring in these multiple tight ends that can play in line and help you play out of 12 personnel packages, which is tight ends on the field. And if you look at Teddy Bridgewater and Tyrod Taylor, the two quarterbacks they were after, both of those guys play best from under center and play action out of 12 personnel. So they were trying to think of the scheme where they go really more tight end induced because as the NFL transitions to this, you know, spread it out five receivers offense, the Patriots, they, what they want to do is they want to go, they want to zig when the league zags. I think that's the Dolphins thinking here is let's go power running game. Let's roster a fullback. Let's get tight ends that can block like Dwayne Allen, who's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Let's smash the ball down people's throats and make them play down here in the Miami heat and and wear them out. And then we'll go play action game on top of that and play strong defense. I think that's the thinking in terms of the tight ends and the quarterbacks they're after. So speaking of running backs, do you think Kenyon Drake gets the bulk of the carries next year? Is it a 50-50 split between him and Balaj, Or does the Dolphins draft somebody and, and kind of make it a, a three-headed attack? I think they'll draft somebody because they're going to need a third back. They go back to the New England model. They have tons of backs that can do multiple things in the offense. You go look at like a Miles Sanders out of Penn State or maybe even James Williams out of Washington State, two guys that can really catch the football out of the backfield and offer you that big-time receiving playmaker out of the backfield. That's something that, you know, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs can do. They haven't done it a lot in their career so far, but I think that they're going to want a back that's a little bit more versatile in the passing game as far as that goes. So I think one more back and a, a fairly even split among the three. Well, there's a nice little back down here that can catch the ball at the backfield and do a lot of things on special teams, and you could probably steal him in the Travis Homer. fifth or sixth round named Travis, Travis Homer. Homer. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, I, I've had people mention Travis Homer to me, and I, I'm not a Kane guy, but I do like his game. Well, well, I think that, and Brian, Brian is a former Kane, so I think the biggest thing, one of the problems, obviously, with the Dolphins is their complete inability to draft. I, I really think that uh, for the for maybe about the last ten years, the way the Dolphins have drafted is just put pictures of players in a room on a on a, like a board, and then spin around whatever executive in a chair with a blindfold, and then have him throw a dart. And then whatever dart that that lands on, the Dolphins draft because their approach really hasn't made any sense. In in in, in and I look, I know that some of them have worked, but a lot of them have not. Um, and, and so the thing is, Brian and I were talking about, hey, and maybe maybe this is something that you can talk about. And I don't know how it works out there in Washington. I know you're a Cougars fan, and you've got the Seahawks out there, but the Dolphins have always had so much talent playing in their backyard. The Miami Hurricanes, 
uh, FAU, FIU. They've had a lot of players in their own backyard that they've never really drafted. And when they did, Lamar Miller and Olivier Vernon, they didn't re-sign them to, to, to other contracts. So, I mean, I, I know that you kind of watched some draft film a little bit, Travis. So, have you seen any tape from any of the UM guys? I, I know that, obviously, you're probably focusing on the bigger name, but... Have you looked at Travis Homer? Have you looked at Jaquan Johnson? Have you looked at any of the any of the guys from UM coming out? And if you haven't, it's okay. I, I don't want you to feel bad because I know you do a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it's no problem. And just to kind of address that first part, I think it's criminal to not really scout your own backyard because it doesn't cost you any resources to go to Hard Rock Stadium and watch a Hurricanes game and talk to the coaches and go to practices and find out what's going on with these guys. So they definitely should be poaching that hotbed of talent down there, which they haven't mm-hmm. done, like you mentioned. But as far as the guys I like from UM, Sheldrick Redwine, the safety, and the cornerback Michael Jackson, the two guys that I've actually really looked at that I think could be fit in the Dolphins scheme. The Dolphins are going to have to get way more expansive in the secondary because the Patriots, again, going back to that model, they run dime and quarter defense more than anybody else in the NFL, which means six defensive backs and seven defensive backs. So literally one out of three plays, you have six DBs on the field. Dolphins don't have six DBs right now capable of playing, you know, one-third of the snaps in the NFL. So they're going to have to go after defensive backs. I think Sheldrick Redwine would be a fit on the secondary, but on the, on the defense, kind of that middle of the field safety. And then Michael Jackson could be a cornerback either in the slot or outside. So, Travis, let's say the Dolphins uh, go with your approach. Uh, again, you can check out his work on LockedOnDolphins.com. He has an article on how, how the Dolphins might be secretly trying to get Kyler Murray. Uh, if that does happen, then what do the Dolphins do with edge rusher? I mean, you're looking at Charles Harris and a bunch of nothing after that. Yeah, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, one guy that I like in the draft a whole lot, which probably won't be able to happen if they get Kyler Murray because you probably have to get him in the second round, is Texas's Charles Amenahu, and he kind of has that Trey Flowers type of mold where he's big and, and long and he can play both outside and inside. And you have to remember that in this particular scheme, the pass rushers, I mean, look at the Patriots' pass rushers over the years. The one guy they really had that was a dominant force as an edge rusher was Chandler Jones, and they valued him so little they sent him off to Arizona and said, have a nice career. So they really kind of they formulate their pass rush out of the scheme, out of blitzes, and the way they line up into certain gaps. And it's really about gap integrity and rushing your certain specific lane and just trying to call the defense into pressure and blitz and sacks that way. So it's, I think they're going to value the secondary a lot more than the defensive line. But that's not to say they don't have needs up front because they definitely do, and they're going to have to remake that position with guys in the draft this year and probably next year too. I want you to give me a percentage, uh, a percentage on this on this question, and I don't want it to be fifty fifty. All right, Travis. <laughs> okay. At least go forty nine or fifty one one way or the other. <laughs> what is the percentage chance that the Dolphins are selecting at the thirteenth spot in the NFL draft this year? I would say it's maybe two percent. Okay, so so then you, I, you think they're drafting higher or lower? Which one? I, I think they'll almost certainly trade back. I think they, okay. I think Murray goes number one, and that dreams over instantly. And I think that once that happens, I mean, we remember Stephen Ross last year being upset that they didn't trade back when they took Mika Fitzpatrick, which they made the right call on that, in my opinion. But he really wanted to trade back, and the reason for it is he he wants to copy the Patriots. I think he's pretty well showing you that right now. He wants to get the compensatory picks. He wants to trade back and acquire more picks because the more bites you have at the apple, the more chances you have of finding players. Because even if you bat you know, 30% in the draft, if you get 10 picks, that's three players in one year, which is a great haul. So they want to acquire more picks, work that draft board, take the Patriots model, and, and go forward from there. Who is the Dolphins' starting quarterback in week one? We're <sighs> going the lottery numbers, too. I, I have no <laughs> idea. Man. I, uh, I would, actually. I, I'll take the lottery numbers. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I want to say Jake Rudolph right now. I really don't know who else it's going to be. You don't think uh, you don't think they make a play for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Fitzmagic. I, I could see Blake Bortles as the one guy they would go get, which I mean, kill me. But oh, you know, that's, that's but, but Travis, Travis, isn't Fitzpatrick a fun way to lose eleven games? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would be. He's definitely a, a fun guy to watch. <laughs> I mean, he'll have like three touchdowns in one game, and then he'll have five interceptions the next. But then he'll go out and win you that week seventeen game when two is hung by lows in the line. You don't want that. Well, that's when you run the ball, you know, sixty times. So. <laughs> yeah. I think sure. having Blake Bortles would be just as frustrating as having Tannehill. <laughs> exactly. That's why I don't think. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think my. If you're at least trying to sell some tickets, you can't. You can't sell Blake Bortles after seven years of Ryan Tannehill. You New quarterback for the Dolphins, 2019. Blake Bortles. All right, here's my season oh, tickets. Yeah, just take them. Yeah. All right, guys. You can follow him on Twitter again. Check him out at Wingfield NFL. There's a lot of awesome work. Uh, are you going to be doing some more draft video? I know last year you were like uh, you were very prognosticator e with uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, are you going to be doing like a lot of draft breakdown in the in the coming month or so? Yeah, so my week of the wedding, or the wedding, well, easy for me to say, the week of my wedding, I'll be gone all week in Hawaii, so we're getting married at. So I'm oh, actually pre-recording podcasts right now. Thank you again. I'm, I'm pre-recording podcasts right now for the, that week, so that I can not miss any content days. And all those all those podcasts are going to be draft centric. So uh, I think it's the first week of April. I'll have all my draft podcasts out. Uh, my invitation's in the mail, right? You betcha. All right. <laughs> you can check him out again on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, LockedOnDolphins.com, Travis Wingfield. Travis, thanks so much for the time, man, and, 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 and congratulations on your wedding, and we'll talk to you sometime around the draft, all right? Thank, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Lots of football talk as we get ready uh, for the second act of free agency where lots of players, uh, they sign those bargain bin deals, and then we get towards the NFL draft. So I definitely wanted to reach out and have uh, Travis Wingfield on. Does so much good work uh, for, for Locked On Dolphins. Check them out at LockedOnDolphins.com or the Locked On Dolphins podcast or on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Uh, for us, Brian, that's, that's it for today's show. Coming up next, we'll hear from Greg Likens and Rashad Butler, as I'm sure they're going to break down the Miami Dolphins uh, approach to free agency as well. The Tannehill trade, the Heat getting embarrassed in the second half by the Bucks. I'm sure that those guys will, will talk about those things in depth. Coming up next, you're on 790 The Ticket.